ish boom there we go what up ladies and gents here we go middle of the week and we're ready to rock and roll what if you could talk to one of those og podcasters would you well you're about to let's jump on the show here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you this show is for those who are willing to take that risk these are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Plus. All right, ladies and gents, now here's, here's my intro. Normally, I write up the intros to the show, but for today's guest, I'm literally going to read it from his website. He wrote the book on podcasting. Well, at least the first, Podcasting, the Do-It-Yourself Guide. He's the founder of the People's Choice Podcast Awards and the Tech Podcast Network. He's also credited with bringing, bringing the first advertisers into podcasting, this small company called GoDaddy. But in a career that has earned him a place in the inaugural class of Podcast Hall of Fame, perhaps our guest's biggest influence on podcasting is founding of Raw Voice and its podcasting company, Blueberry Podcasting. Now, Blueberry offers 85,000 plus active podcasters, media hosting, advertising opportunities, content creation tools, and more. So let's welcome to the show from Blueberry Podcasting, Mr. Todd Cochran. Todd, welcome to the program, man. <laughs> wow, what an intro. It almost sounded like an advertisement, but hey, thanks for having me. Congratulations for uh, having a great, well-organized show. Well, thank you. And, you know, it's not often that I get somebody in this in this space that has been doing it for longer than I have. I haven't years, not years, just number of episodes. I'm literally about to cross the 1,000 episode threshold. So I've gotten good at creating this stuff, but I'm really curious to find out you know, I read it in your bio, but tell me, when did you start podcasting and why? Well, uh, I started in October of 2004. I was probably, I don't know, one of the first 30, 40 podcasters. And to be honest with you, uh, I was a failed blogger. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so I like to talk. And, and the circumstances at the time was I was uh, basically laid up. I couldn't, uh, I had been hurt in an accident and uh, was you know, basically and still in the Navy trying to uh, keep my job. And I was in Waco, Texas, and there was nothing else to do. And I heard about podcasting and I rolled over to Walmart, <laughs> picked me up a cheap lab tech uh, microphone and started recording. It was pretty, uh, the audio quality was pr premiere on that first episode, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot has changed. Like, you know, I remember in, in 2008, I made this YouTube video on financial literacy, right? Something that I'm, I'm, I'm barely getting to know at the time. And it sucked. It was horrible. I, I, I couldn't have any charisma if I tried. I, the, the video quality was horrible. Getting it to actually upload to YouTube was a pain in the butt. Like so many things because the industry just hadn't developed. You literally came into this space when... It was merely an idea and the process must have been difficult. What was it like to record, produce, and then distribute a podcast back then? 
believe it or not, the recording was the easiest part. Everything else was, you know, the uh, hand coded the RSS feed. La luckily, that didn't last too long because some people, you know, built some tools pretty quickly. But the hosting piece was the real challenge. I, I think I had eight or nine, I think at the, I had about 12 total at the peak, 12 shared hosting accounts because I would burn through my bandwidth in about three or four days and I would have to move every episode to a different web server. It was crazy. So it really was just keeping the show online at that time was a challenge because of the way the internet was structured. It was just, it was cheaper to buy shared hosting accounts, burn through 500 gigs of traffic and then move the episode. And actually what I did is I had 12 different domains and we just updated the RSS feed and we published the show across 12 different uh, hosting accounts and it was nuts, but thank God it is not that way anymore to think it's, it's easy to start a podcast compared to what it was then. But yeah, we, it was held together with binder twine. It was, it was crazy, but it built an amazing audience very, very quickly from that uh, because it was cool, you know, and he had to be a geek. There was, well, there was geeks and comedians. They were the two that seemed to kind of figured out in the early days, but then the genres expanded and uh, the podcasting space just exploded. Let's talk about uh, pod fade, right? So for those people who aren't in the podcast industry, what usually happens is somebody starts a podcast because they're very interested. It sounds cool. It sounds fun. And then they realize there's a lot of work, maybe not quite, you know, uploading to 12 different server right, platforms right. or nothing like that, but there's a lot of work that's involved. And so they do five, six, seven, ten episodes, and then they disappear. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, we're literally... Be, it was difficult to even get your show out. What kept you going? The audience, the feedback from the audience, that that uh, momentum of you know just getting a dozen emails, maybe twenty on after every episode, and the encouragement, and even the haters. You know, there was some haters that were out there. But I think really the key was is I was passionate about the content that I was talking about, and I had a, I had a goal from the very very early days of doing my show. My my goal was number one was to essentially build authority in the tech space. And number two was because of my wife, she said, this, this thing's cost a lot of money. You got to monetize it. So my goal was to be monetized within two years. And at the time, no one was monetizing. So it was very early in that regards that I, I really, that was my focus. And I, I tell podcasters today, you have to have a goal and you have to be motivated about the content that you talk about. Because as you said, a lot of pod fade. And actually there's a, st a statistic that has not changed over many, many years. 50% of shows that start don't make it to episode seven mm -hmm. um, because they figure out it's hard to do content. But I think often it's because the person hasn't planned, set a goal, and also talking about something they're passionate about. When you're passionate about a topic, you can talk forever about it. Oh yeah. Energy just randomly shows up. Uh, topics randomly show up. When you first started, you know, now audience building is something that gets a little more difficult because there are more options for people to find podcasts, uh, so many different niches. When you got started, it was at the beginning, you had a completely different problem, which was what the hell is a podcast, right? I mean, that was completely different space. What did you have to go through to start building your audience? Well, the thing you have to remember about is there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there was no social, there was no iPhone, there was the iPod and a bunch of little portable media devices. That was it. 
Hmm. So the ability to grow the space really was number one for the listener was teaching them how to, to get the show. Number one. And number two is we learned the value of building our brand on our own.com because we had no social place to build the show. So you had to rely on your website. And I, you know, I always tell podcasters today, I'm like the most valuable asset of your podcast is your website, is your.com because you can send them to go out and listen wherever they may want to listen, whether it be Facebook, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know, the, the dozens of places you can listen. But your listeners always need to know where Moonbase Elf is, where your home site is, where where they come to find additional content, your funnel, whatever your your goal is for your show. They need to know that this is um, where the show originates. And that in itself also allows you to take advantage of Google and the search, the search traffic that would be driven to your site because of that. So a big mistake podcasters um, make today is they think, well, I don't need a website anymore. That's a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. So true. Uh, let's, let's talk about metrics when you're building your audience. Cause one thing is, you know, what you're, what you're saying is let me teach you how to get the guest or the audience to show up and actually listen to your stuff. But the other side is today we're spoiled. Blueberry, uh, Anchor, all these other places give you so much data and metrics on the people who are listening to your show. For you, the only way you were able to really get metrics, I'm assuming, is if you had a, a website back then, right? Well, you know, the website traffic was important, but also we very early on uh, built stats because we wanted to know what was going on. And it was rudimentary, you know, at a time when I thought I had 40 or 50,000 people listening to my show, it was probably more like 10,000 because we weren't doing any filtering. We're just doing raw log processing. So we had some rudimentary stuff in the very, very early days The tech, the geeky guys built some scripts. But very quickly, we figured out how to to filter all that and then use the data that we were getting to have actual information. And it's still the same today. The stats have gotten incredibly diverse in that you can find out where they're listening, uh, partially how long they're listening, at least at Blueberry. That's one of the things we give you is how long they stay listening to the show, um, wh in what county, what state, all this information to really make actionable decisions about your podcast. So I think, you know, what we've built today for podcasters allows them to have a lot more detailed information and make smart decisions for their content. But yeah, those early days, it was, you know, we were kind of just finding our way and uh, it was good because we learned a lot of things that we shouldn't measure and what we should be. Let's talk a little bit about our favorite thing, but every podcaster, a lot of them jump into this space thinking they're going to make some money. They're going to monetize their podcast. Exactly, Tom. How did you do that early on? I mean, you're, we're talking about the metrics here. Usually a sponsor is going to want to know that their information is going to get in front of a specific type of audience. Even with your rudimentary uh, numbers, what was it like bringing a sponsor on early on when they were like podcasting? Who's even listening to that? You know, and, and to be honest with you, in the early days, we didn't even know what to charge because the first deal I did, there was no ancillary data out there. You know, today there's a huge amount of data. So I kind of charged what I thought I needed to cover my bills. And then when the sponsor came back to me and said, hey, we had huge success. We want to renew you for a year. I was able to derive some information on how that uh, first month had done. I went back to them with a proposal 
which we agreed upon along with some payouts on bonus on basically if you what it was is a flat rate and then if i got to a certain point there would be a bonus paid and it was really one of the smartest deals i ever made because they're still my sponsor today um and and i still have to make performance but what it really boiled down to was i was delivering value for the sponsor the sponsor was getting something out of it they were getting an roi that was measurable and if you can deliver a measurable roi to a sponsor they'll be with you for a long long time the podcasting space today has gotten kind of weird on how ad deals are done because smaller shows are often left out of the mix so here's the thing things have changed you don't have to have a sponsor you can have value for value where people are actually contributing to your show either through PayPal or other tokens that are available today to be able to, to promote your podcast. Um, you can have uh, a Patreon. There's just so many different ways now to monetize. Advertising is not super, super critical. But if you build a show to scale, and the scale meaning probably north of 10,000 listeners per episode, you, you can make a decent living uh, starting replacing some bills initially with a sponsorship, or if you have a super niche show, then if you're reaching a really a tight audience that uh, is high value, then of course you can almost name your price on the sponsorship. But you always want to have a good relationship. And the key is deliver. A lot of content creators kind of get over their heads a little bit and say, well, I want X number of dollars per episode. And then they don't are not able to deliver the value to the to the advertiser and the advertiser says, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with you. I'm gone. So you always want to make sure you don't overvalue your show uh, in a sponsorship deal. But there's some pretty good data out there now on what you charge if you do, if you are approached by someone to advertise. You know, again, lots of different models. And that's a good thing. You can do merch. You can do, you know, do listener support. There's a lot of different ways to monetize a show today. And let's be frank. Some people are only going to make take the partner to dinner money. Some people are going to make car payment money. Some will make house payment money and some will make life-changing money. But the only way you're going to get there is to grind. And to grind means you got to grind. You got to do shows. You got to bust out episodes. You have to be engaged. You got to be doing all the things you need to grow your show, not just have a website. You have to have your social presence, building community, all of that. It's work. That's why there's such a high failure rate in shows is people aren't willing to put in the work. But if you do and the time, the rewards will come back to you. Yeah, it, it definitely, I think part of it is also discovering who you are, right? For, for me, in my experience in podcasting, I got into it because I wanted to get more real estate deals. And so I thought, hmm, Joe Rogan's got millions of people. If I can get to a thousand episodes, I too will have millions of people. Uh, I'm not there yet, <laughs> but I know that from where I started to where I am today, my message is clearer. The way I present my show has gotten a lot better. Uh, our show books out 10 weeks in advance for people to come on the show. We're doing so many great things. And yet I still feel like I'm, I'm just scraping the surface on, on everything that can possibly uh, happen with the show. One thing I always tell content creators is don't take your audience for granted. So if you can visualize a hundred people sitting in front of you, your approach to doing your show may be a little bit different if you can't, if you can visualize that or just go on Google and, and type an image search and say, show me a thousand people or a hundred. And when you see that body of people and imagine that you're walking out onto a stage to talk to them, you're going to value their time. Yes. You're going to be more prepared. You're going to be able to speak more directly to them. But the thing you always have to remember is 
we're in someone's head right now. They're plugged into us. They may be watching the video live, but the majority of people are probably listening. As long as we don't lose sight that we're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with 1,000, 10,000, 50,000 people, that's the key is to remember that you're having that intimate conversation with someone because podcasting is consumed in a way that no other media is. And the relationship mm -hmm. with, with audiences is different. Are you not entertained? Is that why you are here? Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing this for. Uh, let's talk about your path. So I feel like you're, we, we as podcasters grow as we start doing this on the regular basis. And you came across problems that needed solutions, which opened up opportunities to different businesses that you've started. Walk me through that process and how did you get to Blueberry? Well, it really a result of that same phone call with that advertiser, because as we got done doing the deal to renew for a year, uh, her name was Chris Redlinger. And she said to me, she said, Todd, do you know any other podcasters that would like to do advertising with GoDaddy? And I said, yes, I do, because I had already started a tech network and it was a small at that time, maybe 20 shows. And so I said, there's a business model here. So what I did on my next podcast, I said, I need an MBA. I need a lawyer. I need a, a, a graphics guy, I need a programmer. And we're having a phone call. And we really, the, my show or my business was launched from a free conference call where I had about 10 people on a call. After I asked people if they were willing to commit some money for a business idea, half of them jumped off. And I was left with the part of the uh, majority of the core team that started uh, Blueberry. And the company started out as raw voice. We threw a couple of things on the wall first couple of years, but ultimately we ended up with Blueberry Podcasting, the story really there is Raw Voice. The uh, tagline was Fresh Organic Media. So when we were ready to do our first spinoff, we called it Blueberry. You know, in the hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think that um, what ultimately we did from that is we initially became an advertising agency for podcasters, and then ultimately over time, as the marketplace shifted and as money was moving out of smaller shows into bigger shows, we moved into a service business. Uh, our PowerPress plugin that my CIO at the time, Angelo Mendado, built was really the key to transition the company into a service business. Uh, today, 80, 80 85,000 podcasters power their shows with PowerPress, and it, it has the integrated ability to work directly with Blueberry as, as their hosting platform and provide stats. So really, it was kind of a transition over time. And a few smart business moves that we made that kind of saved the company because the space changed all the way through. So it really, from that, everything grew from that. And it, some other stuff I did on the side was just, you know, hairball ideas I have that panned out. Let's talk about the starting a podcast. Um, I started because I heard this guy named Gary V hops on the internet and says, <laughs> if you have a business, you need to be a media company first, everything else second. I was like, right. okay, cool. Podcasting is the way to go. Now, sure. I'm not the only one. There are a ton of people even today who are like, I need to start a podcast. Uh, you know, I needed to create content. What is a bit of advice that you would give to somebody who's just about to start out? Like, what is it that they need? How do they get started? How do you? explain to somebody the process of starting a podcast. The process is really isn't that complicated. Again, number one, what's the goal? Is it to have fun? Is it to build a business? Is it to tell a story? What, what's the goal? Get that figured out. Then what's it going to be about? What's the show? Find a domain name that goes along with it if you can. And there's lots of new top level domains that you can get, including dot show. You don't have to be just a dot com anymore. So find kind of 
figure out what your brand is going to be. And then really very simply write out what the format of the show is going to be. Is it going to be a solo show? Is it going to be an interview show? Is it going to, you know, what, how is the actual, listen to four or five shows that you love already, and then take a piece from each of those and build that into how you're going to build your show structure. Um, hit, hit record, record that first episode. Episode one will not be the same as five, five won't be the same as 10 and 10 will not be the same as 50. And really the rest of it is easy from a, from a technical standpoint, uh, love to have you over at Blueberry Podcasting, but there's lots of options out there uh, on board with whatever hosting platform you choose. And then uh, really everything else should be pretty simple. Uh, posting a podcast is no more complicated than uh, writing a blog post. Great episode title, great description about what you talk about, maybe some outbound links and hopefully some links coming back from the person you and post it. And then ultimately you've built set up the distribution to the various platforms that process can happen as quick as you can, or you can plan it out. But I think the big mistake, a lot of people think about doing a podcast is they just never do it. They mm -hmm. think it's a great idea, but they never get to the point where they hit record. The key is episode one, again, will not sound the same as episode 50 and it, it, it shouldn't, it should evolve over time. And, and of course the first people are going to listen to your friends and family. Um, they're, they're always going to say great things about your show. They're not going to, uh, to to pound on you. But I think what you'll be is your own best self-critic in doing your show and getting better. Prepare, 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 because it allows you to have a better rapport, a better uh, pacing with your show with not a lot of us, hums, and all the things that people like to edit out. I would still, I would no, I would not be a podcaster today. Now, this goes against critical thinking. I would not be a podcaster today if I had edited my show. I had three mm. kids. I was spending three to four hours to do each of my episodes. If I would have edited, it would have not ended well. So personally, I did not edit. There's lots of people out there that will edit for you today if you have the budget to do so. Uh, video is a great component, but I say get the audio down first before you bring on the video. But when you bring on the video, if you decide to do that, it will make you a better podcaster because you get one shot. There's not a lot of editing you can do on a video podcast. Yep. You ha it, it's a it's a one and done. Um, you can go back and edit the audio, but I don't always recommend it because sometimes you over edit. That is so true. There's only so much time in a day, and I think the burnout happens when you get into that editing. Those ums, they're they're just part of who you are. It's how you speak. People are going to recognize you anyways. You're going to have a conversation with them in real life, and guess what? Your ums and k's and all that stuff is still going to be there. Post and don't worry about that stuff. Some but, people are, some people hate it when I say that, but yeah. I would I would rather get an episode out. Yes. To not have an episode at all. If you get hung up on this editing piece, you'll never get to episode five, 10, 50, or 100. 100%. So, we, we, my brother and I, my eight year old son early on said, Dad, did you know that after every sentence you say, okay, after every sentence? And I was like, I didn't notice that. So what we did was we gave a a glass jar a microphone and I got I got a pile of quarters and gave my brother a pile of quarters and live while we're recording our episode every time you heard the um or I heard him say it, clink 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 just edit as you go learn to make it better you're going to get better over time and you'll correct yourself which makes a bigger difference than if you go back and spend hours editing all the time because you're not actually making the change and speaking of change 
I always tell people, this is your show. You can change your logo, change your design, change your show layout at any given time. There's no rules to this. I, I what changed, do you believe in that? I changed a show name mid podcast one time. I was doing the Saturday morning tech show with Rob Greenlee, which is now the new media show. We made an executive decision about 300 episodes in. We're, we're talking more about podcasting than we're talking about tech. Let's change the name. I actually Googled the new domain name live while we were literally live. And I actually bought the domain name and we changed the show in the middle of the show. Yes. So you can, I don't recommend that necessarily, but you can change the show. You, it doesn't have to stay static. Now, I, I will say, change your formula slowly. Don't mm -hmm. don't hit your audience in the mouth with a complete revamp. It, you warn them that change is coming or make slow changes over time. I think that's the better approach. Um, I think Rob and I got away with it because, well, you know, we've been podcasting for a while and we kind of, you know, the audience kind of agreed. So I think that it um, you'll know if you need to change the show up. Let's talk your actual process, uh, because I think this is where a lot of people fall off. Uh, you record something, you hit stop at the end of the recording, then what, right? I mean, because we're, we're content creators, so it's one thing to create the podcast, post it, and it's syndicated great. What about social media? What about clipping? What about taking some of these small things and kind of bringing the audience in a bite size at a time versus trying to grow the whole thing? What's your process like when you record an episode? Well, the, it really starts with prep. And for years, I did my own prep. Now I have someone that helps me. It's um, like my brother from another mother. Him and I are synced at the hip and, and thought process. So he's able to do my show prep now. Saves me about an hour and a half. I do the review on the prep, record the show. When I get done, I cut the ends. I run the audio through a phonic to get it leveled out. Um, I upload it. I write extensively good show notes. So because I really, truly believe on the Google traffic, I get between 50 and 200,000 hits a day on my website, purely based on Google search traffic. So that to me is super critical to get that right. Um, matter of fact, that's how I keep new audience members coming in. I have a, audience members trickling off and new members coming in and the numbers kind of go up a little bit. But at the same time, I'm, you know, it's it, after you've been podcasting for a while, they come and go. People leave for a couple of years to come back. Oh, you're still doing a show. I'm back. But I think from a social media standpoint, um, I was super focused on promoting the heck out of it in the early days. Today, organically, my show, I don't need to do that. I don't need to go out and do the clips. But I think if you're brand new, if you can find a, a, a snippet that is like super enhancing, that allow you to, to put a, something out there on Twitter or some other platform that allows you to garner interest from someone, that's great. But what I found more effective is, is you go where your audience goes. I go to events like the Consumer Electronics Show. I go to NAB. I go to events. And I interview people at those events. I bring that content back and I make it available as bonus content, which brings more people to the show that way. But at the same time, um, backlinking from guests, from companies is always important as well to drive organic traffic. So I really play the, the Google game the best I can to bring people in. It's a different strategy than a lot of podcasters do. And it's not one I recommend for someone that's brand new because you don't have that breadth of data on a website to really drive that much Google traffic. So you're going to have to do the organic reach out. Now, 
what I also participate is in forums that's around my content. And if someone says, well, what do you do about this? And if I've talked about that topic in a podcast, I'll go find the minute and second mark of that. And I will send them a message, say, hey, go listen to this episode. It's six minutes and 23 seconds. And there's an answer there for you. And what that ultimately does is, again, it brings people back. And I say, wow, this is that was great advice. They subscribe to the show. But I'd be helpful. I don't be out pitching the show. I go mm -hmm. out and I become, but I, but you have to hang out where your community hangs out. So I'm sure you probably hang out in realtor forums, you know? Mm -hmm. So if someone says something, well, we talked about this, or I talked to him, go listen to that. You don't have to be overly engaged um, in, in being this big promoter. Uh, I think you have to organically build your audience. And it's, it's really that ability then to ask your audience, who do you know that you think would love this show and go ask them? Because what they will do is it's that six degrees of separation. Two or three, will, they'll, add, they'll tell two or three of their friends, maybe one will listen, but maybe then they will go out and re, rinse, wash, and repeat and ask two or three people. So I think the key is to always not be afraid to ask your existing audience, hey, go recommend my show, please. Um, so again, there's a million ways to build a show. This is how Todd has done it. It's again, there's no rules in podcasting. That's the best thing. And someone that's going to say, I'll get you to 5,000 listeners. I'm like, well, let me see your podcast. Mm. And if they don't have a podcast that is successful in, in reaching 5,000 listeners, how are they going to get me to 5,000? So true. So true. I'll tell you how they do it. Simply, they hire one of those people in India <laughs> or in the Philippines and they just hit a bunch of buttons and now you have metrics and it looks cool, but nobody engages. Nobody, nobody cares. Made. Nobody. <laughs> it's not the type of audience that you're really looking for. And, and right. I, I embrace the critics, too. When I have critics that, that hate what I've said, oh, man, I, that, I play that up because what that does is that brings those tier one listeners that are your biggest fans they come in to defend you and it just builds excitement and you know a little controversy so it's always fun yeah even the haters have listened to your content so they've contributed plus they've commented most right. powerful most valuable form of social currency is any type of engagement a comment yeah. works so they're they're even the haters are playing into your into your podcast so it's beautiful it's, right. a, it's a great thing todd i'm gonna take this uh last second to ask more of a selfish question. You've been at this for a while. You've had, you know, 85,000 plus podcasts set up running through Blueberry. Uh, what was your experience like going through our booking system and being on our show? Well, to be honest with you, I hired a booker and she took care of it. Um, I hadn't done this for years and we were trying this as a six month run to see how a booker will work. And I gave her strict criteria of the type of shows I wanted to be on, those that I didn't I didn't care about Amazon, uh, I mean, uh, Apple podcast reviews, any of that. Um, so there were certain criteria and she followed that criteria and found you. And she said, hey, this is a show uh, I think you should be on. I reviewed what she'd sent me and said, yep, I think this is a show I want to be on. So it went from there. Um, so not everyone can afford a booker. Fortunately, I can. But that's what I did. I, I hired a company to help book me on shows. And what do you think about the way we put the show together? Everything from the visuals and logos and stuff. Is that, is, is that something that uh, yeah, I think you're beneficial for the show? Yeah, I think you're rocking it. I, you know, I've seen what you've dropped in on StreamYard. It's fantastic. You've got little clips, inter interludes. It's what keeps things exciting, keeps it moving. And I like the pace of the show as well. So I, I think you're doing a great job. 
Well, it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day. Exactly, Sean. Exactly. Todd, before we head out, man, I wanted to make sure I gave you the floor. Uh, let people know how they can get a hold of you, what they can find on Blueberry, and any last-minute uh, last thoughts. It's real simple. It's Todd at Blueberry.com. Blueberry without the E's because we couldn't afford the E's. And then uh, we're on Twitter, of course, at Blueberry. We're on Instagram at Blueberry underscore podcasting. If you want to check me out, I'm at uh, newmediashow.com, geeknesscentral.com, podcastinsider.com. Those are three shows that I participate in. And uh, again, happy to help any podcasters looking to get started. All you got to do is get over to blueberry.com, click that getting started link. We've got a great support team that'll answer the phone and actually talk to you. So that's a big difference. We believe in customer support and helping podcasters get off the ground. We meet with podcasters every two weeks. And I also do one-on-ones with podcasters as well that are uh, are hosting with us. So just, you know, come over and check us out. There we go. Ladies and gents, telling you guys, podcasting has changed my life and I know it can do the same for you. If you're in business and you need to create content, podcasting can be your thing. Check out the website, blueberry.com. No ease. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y to help you get started with your podcasting. I mean, it's not that difficult to get started. You might need a little bit of coaching, but Todd said himself, he's there to help you out. Plus a quick Google search can find a lot of different information on how to put together a show. We're here to help as well. Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com for you to get started podcasting. Todd, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Always fun to have a conversation with a fellow podcaster. We'll see you guys again next time. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.